Happy Thanksgiving. Today is Thursday, November 28th, 2019. This is the Culture Soup Podcast, and I am your host, El Michelle Smith, and executive producer. Today is a very special day. Not only is it Throwback Thursday, a special edition, where we don't do the editor's pick, we do mama's pick. That's right. My mother, one of my most important listeners, chose today's re-rack. But before I introduce what that re-rack is, I want to say something about an article I read overnight. I happened to see the Instagram stories of Court TV's Yodit Tewold. She and I served as speakers at the Powher Conference early last year in 2018. She's a part of my network. And it was an article about Gabrielle Union being fired from America's Got Talent. My blood was boiling at 3 a.m. Central Time, but I figured I'd mention this on the show because this is the work that I do, and it's also the work of my guest. Gabrielle Union, as it's been shared across multiple outlets, it's being reported that she was a victim of what a lot of black women contend with in the workplace. She, according to all sorts of sources, was the number one judge on America's Got Talent. I've caught it once or twice when she's on there, and she is very thoughtful. She has an incredibly sharp and concise way of communicating. The woman's smart. In fact, I've met Gabby Union. It was very, very brief. It was at an event that I was working on behalf of that Fortune 9 just last year, 2018, June, at Essence. We passed each other ever so quickly, she and Queen Latifah, and I said to her, girl, you are fabulous. And you know what? I know that more today than even I did then because Gabrielle Union stood up for people like her, people not like her on that show. And from reports, it sounds like she received backlash. In fact, not only was she feeling the effects of a toxic environment for speaking up, They talked about her hair, full stop. She'd received notes regarding how often she changed her hair and how that would affect the show. And in some cases told it was too black. This is a page out of the playbook people. Shine too brightly speak up, get called hard to work with, and by the way, fix your hair. Bravo to Gabrielle Union for standing up despite it. And I'm glad that Twitter and most of the internet is on your side, queen. Now, straighten your crown. And if you're listening, listen to Miss Dorinda Walker, who's walked the same path. 
She is the Thanksgiving edition of this throwback Thursday. My mama's pick. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. The year was 2019, June to be exact. I was in Atlanta for the LEAD 360 Combine as a newly minted faculty member. I would host a workshop, um, about two and a half hour workshop on communicating like a boss. There were several of us that were lined up. And if you listen to the Culture Suit podcast, you've met several of them. We had Nick Nelson right next door to me. We had Cher Jones of LinkedIn fame, (laughs) the B2B social media trainer who did a wind talk. You even met Natasha Bowman, the workplace doctor. She did a wind talk. Well, there was one more wind talk that I recall that had an impact on me. And it was from a woman named Dorinda Walker. And I'd met her the day before in line for the luncheon that a few of us facilitated um, for the women there at the Combine. And she was so nice, so um, unassuming to be the legend that she is. You see, she led marketing VP of global marketing for one of the largest insurance providers, I should dare say, on the planet. And she was able to produce millions and millions of dollars in revenue as a result of her marketing. But it doesn't just start there. Dorinda has an amazing story that demonstrates unprecedented resilience. I'm going to let her tell her story, but she shared it that day during her wind talk, and I was blown away. Afterwards, we met one another and vowed to remain connected. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Miss Dorinda Walker, marketing legend, author, speaker, and overcomer. I'm good. Thank you for agreeing to be on the show. You're so welcome. Hey, everybody. I am so excited to have fellow LEAD 360 faculty member Dorinda Walker on the line with me. She is a legend, and she's the CEO of Cultural Solutions Group. I am so excited to have you here with me, Dorinda. You know, I was first... I am excited to be with you. Great, great, great. I was first introduced to you in person at the LEAD 360 Combine in Atlanta earlier this summer, and what a joy it was to meet you. Your work had preceded you. I'd seen you on LinkedIn, I'd followed you a little bit, and to learn your story, it was just completely compelling and moving. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. So thanks for joining us here on the Culture Soup Podcast. What do you say we have a Culture Soup moment? I'm ready. Awesome. Well, listen, today is August 22nd, 2019, and it is Black Woman's Equal Pay Day. Now, when this airs, it'll be next Thursday, so it'll be seven days away, but when we're recording this, it's Black Woman's Equal Pay Day. And it's trending all over Twitter, it's on LinkedIn, it's all about the pay gap that exists between women and women of color, and especially black women and white men in corporate America in any kind of paying job. And the gap for black women is pretty steep. What do you have to say about this? Because you have been a groundbreaker in diversity, equality, inclusion, and marketing, but you may have something to say about black women and getting paid what we're due. I absolutely have something to say. And what I have to say is we should not stand for it. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that black women make 61 cents to the white man's dollar is outrageous, especially since we are one of the most highly educated groups in this country Mm -hmm. and the fastest growing groups in terms of education. We attain higher education. We are bosses on the job. Yes. We contribute You know, we contribute just as much as any other culture um, in corporate America. And it's time that we take a stand and demand that we are paid for our worth and our value. And you know what? Those stats that you just spouted out, that's very, very good. But I want to point out to people that comes right from the U.S. Census. Black women hold more degrees and advanced degrees than any other group, which is amazing to me. Um, And, you know, spending some time in corporate America, I've seen it. Uh, we go the extra mile to get the credentials and still, whether it's pay and sometimes promotion, we get left behind. Have you seen that? I have. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, black women are opting out of corporate America, because they're figuring they if they can work for corporate America and not get equal pay, they can certainly work from them, themselves and demand the value that they, that they are working for and, and that they're earning. Right. And you know um, so I think that's why you're seeing. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think that's why you're just seeing this spike in entrepreneurship, especially among uh, black women. Well, you know what? There's more research there, too. Catalyst actually pointed that out in 2017 for one of the reasons why you see a pipeline of leadership faltering when it comes to black women. Because we get to a certain point in our careers and we get tired of the BS, right? The microaggressions, all of that good stuff. And we opt out. And start our own businesses. And that's exactly what you're talking about. I think it's just amazing that these are things we've always known. But now we've got the data to back it. Which is helpful. And we've got voices out there like Minda Hart's her book just dropped today. The memo. And I'm excited about that. Yes. yes the memo. <laughs> yes. And um, Jacqueline Twilley. I don't know if you know Jacqueline. She's been on the show before. But her book just dropped too. And it's called Don't Leave Money on the Table. So, okay. you know, there are voices out there, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Don't you think? I do think there's a lot of work to be done. Um, which is why I'm such an advocate, you know, around racism, um, inequality, you know, bringing awareness about those issues and and demanding that we get our equity. Yeah. Um, I think it's important that we talk about equity in this day and time. You know, there's a lot of talk about reparations. I just posted today about uh, Byron Allen Mm -hmm. and his lawsuit against Comcast. You know, there's a lot of people out there in the fight, and it's important that we stay abreast and 
that we join the, join the movement and join the cause. Yeah, and you know that Byron Allen, you got to tip your hat to him. Because that brother has bought the Weather Channel. <laughs> he's brought a few <laughs> things, and he's showing the power of ownership. So I'm, he is. Yeah. And the fact that his channels are outperforming some of the channels that you know Comcast is working with, and they will not put his his content on, on their channels mm. is just, is, is crazy. Wow. Wow. And he has, has his receipts and he has his stats and he has his proof. Yeah. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, it's been ruled that in his favor twice, yeah. um, they're not you know, the and they're taking it. To high <laughs> we know about yeah. that. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll share my story. I am the daughter of two people who suffered from uh, addiction. Both my parents were heroin addicts. So as a result, I suffered the consequences. So early on in my life, I ended up dropping out of high school and I was a straight A honor roll student. It wasn't that I wasn't capable, mm-hmm. um, but I ended up dropping out of high school after suffering physical and mental abuse at the hands of my mom's boyfriend, Mm. my dad going to jail for murder. I was released from the abuse when my dad came home only to discover that he was dying from AIDS. Mm. So I dropped out of jail, became a drug dealer. I actually robbed a drug distributor and became, um, I I robbed one of the biggest drug dealers to become a a drug distributor. And I was headed to a path of prison or death. Mm And, you know, when my father died, my mom disappeared and I thought life was over. I didn't think my life was worthy of living. I wasn't a woman of faith. I didn't know God. Mm -hmm. And I attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. Spent six weeks in a psych ward and God said, I have a different plan and purpose for your life. And fast forward, fast forward, I created my own job at a Fortune 50 company doing the work that I love, loving the work that I do, that I did. Um... And I made it to the executive ranks. And in 2018, I decided that I was going to write a book and launch my book in March. My book was called Protected by Purpose, and it's really a memoir about my life story. And it took off. And, you know, the powers that be, some of them in corporate America, and I will say I worked for a company that I loved. I'm totally behind the corporation and what it stands for, but the some of the people there were hating, for yeah. lack of a better terminology. It happens, Dorinda. And, um, yeah, it happens. And I was told, you know, your brand is too big, um, you're doing too much, you're getting too many awards, because I'm an award-winning marketer on both the B2B and B2C side, you know. So not only was I, you know, performing well, but I also had this external brand that was taken off because of the book. And there was a reorganization. I was given a new role and a new title, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, I was at the height of my career in 2018, yet I was miserable coming into work. And I struggled with leaving because of the title and the prestige that came with it. And I fell into this depression. I started gaining all this weight. And then I kept praying because I'm a woman of faith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I kept asking God for direction. And one day he said to me, who are you and who do you work for? Yeah. And I had to think about that. I'm the bad to the bone sister there you go. that generated, yeah, generated a hundred million dollars in assets under management and life insurance premium with my marketing initiatives. And I work for Jesus. Yes. So when I walk out that door, my intellectual property, my talent, my gifts are coming with me. And so, you know, I wrote a letter to the CEO and said, you know, this ain't really working out for me. Right. Right. <laughs> And, you know, we negotiated my retirement and it's been a blessing and I'm really excited about it. And so now I am the CEO of Cultural Solutions Group. I love it. And I'm also, yep, I'm also still uh, touring the country and internationally uh, telling my story. I'm going for my John Maxwell certification tomorrow in, in Orlando. And um, I have a nonprofit called Weesey's House of Hope that I'm hoping to launch by the um, by fourth quarter. And so I just have a lot going on. Yeah. So, you know, leaving corporate leaving corporate America turned out to be a blessing. Yes. You know, and I would encourage anyone who is struggling. And when you get to a point where you don't like coming into the office, mm-hmm. then you have to make a, a, a cognitive decision, and you have to you have to work with intent to to figure out how you're going to change your circumstance. Agreed. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in creating your opportunity and not waiting for it. You said something just in that statement, but if you rewind just a little bit more, you talked about your intellectual property, your brand owning that. That's something that I harp on all the time. Whether you are inside of corporate America or outside of corporate America, it is important to understand that you have ownership and what you own is your brand, your reputation, your credentials. And that's the thing that is going to literally prop you up besides the love of Jesus Christ when you make this kind of decision. You can lean out or you can lean in. Exactly. Either way you want to do it. Because at the end of the day, you understand your value. You agree? And that's what it sounds like you came to that point. I agree. I agree. I did. And, you know, I'm not a big fan of Mm -hmm. people telling me what I can and can't do. And trying to put me in a box. Um, because, yes. you know, God made me to be who I am and he wants me to be my authentic self and my authentic self, yes, don't sit, wait, it doesn't fit in anybody's box. If they box. wanted to talk about <laughs> diversity and inclusion, because believe me, I had one of those jobs, but we can't shine in all the ways that make us diverse. What are we really doing? Exactly. Right? Like your shine is a part of your Exactly. And. I think it is. And I think it's time we reinvent diversity and inclusion because mm-hmm. traditional methodology isn't working. I wrote a, a, a article on LinkedIn called has definition become 
has diversity and inclusion mm. become the definition of insanity? Because, you know, when you look at all the traditional methodology and we hear everything, you know, get them a mentor, um, you know, give them executive coaching, make sure they see uh, leaders who look like them and have them mentored. And it's like, okay, you can do all that, but that does not work if the yeah. culture doesn't embrace who we are. And, you know, why, why are we constantly trying to fit in well, instead be of being accepted for who we are? Right now, everything is centered about around, yeah. you know what, and it's just the way it is, white men. No, you know, no shade to white men, but that's the center, right? And as long as that's the center, you will have people who look like you and me that think it's not normal for you and I to excel and stand, stand in our own power, in our own authority, and be centered in our own world, <laughs> I've seen people of color, you know, seriously, yes. like, look at you, like, why do you think you should speak up or raise your hand or get this role or speak up in any way? Because they're so used to the otherness that is put upon them and they literally accept it. Yeah, because, you know, we've been conditioned that we shouldn't rock the boat, that we should be grateful for what we're given. Um, and the fact of the matter is if we're at yes. the table is because we earned a seat at that table and yeah. And right. so we should be treated equal and, you know, and accepted right. for what we bring to the table. So, you know, I tell women of color, particularly the young women that I'm mentoring now who say, well, what do I do? Cause a lot of times I'm the only one in the room, exactly. baby, that's your advantage. <laughs> that that is your advantage because you are the only one that has your knowledge and your experience in that room. You're going to bring the creativity and the innovation. Yes. So don't think about it as a negative. Think about yes. it as a positive we bring because a lot it is. Of things to the table innately that we don't give ourselves credit for. I'll be speaking in Salt Lake City next week to a, a tech conference about uh, why there's an advantage to having black women in tech. And one of the reasons that I give is innovation because we are able innately because of lack of access um, to capital, um, sponsorship, mentorship, you name it, the list goes on, to innovate anyway. It's called doing something out of nothing, making something out of nothing. We know how to do that. Yeah. So add the degrees and the certifications and what do you have? Somebody who can innovate <laughs> in a space. Resilience. We've been told right. no over and over and over and, and over I'm, again. And you know what? We're still standing. That's right. I tell everybody that yes. black folks are some of the most resilient people you'll ever meet. Um, because we had to be. But I'm glad you brought up um, black women in tech. Because, you know, I'm a big proponent of racial mm -hmm. equal, um, and wealth equality, particularly um, fighting for us to have more uh, wealth equity in this country. Because I don't be I believe if we don't have racial equity, we'll never have racial uh, equality. And so the fact that we don't have enough black and Latinos in tech is problematic 
and it's it's leading to an occupational segregation that we have to take a hold of and we have to demand that these tech companies do more to recruit and retain more women of color Um, because that is going to widen the wealth gap even more and we can't afford to widen widen anymore because I struggle It is important that the companies put the diversity and inclusion and equity programs in place. Yes, please keep doing that. You know, even if you just feel you're checking a box, do it. But at the end of the day, are we dealing with a heart issue? We're not. And, you know, in that article I mentioned earlier, I talked about you cannot have a diversity inclusion strategy Mm -hmm. where everyone fits in the box because the issues that black women have are going to be the different than some of the issues that Asian women may have or black men may have. So it can't be a one-size-fits-all approach, and you're going to have to adopt based on the need where you have a, a, a wide gap that you need to fill in terms of your diversity recruitment and making sure that you have processes and training in place that they walk into a culture that's accepting of who they are, what their needs are, so that they can excel in that workplace environment. Because you can recruit all day long, but if you don't have the culture that's going to retain, you're wasting your time. That's the number one reason why people stay. They feel like they belong. It's the number one reason why people leave when they don't feel like they belong. So my book, again, it's called Protected by Purpose, and it's basically a memoir about my life, and it starts out talking about me, you know, being on stage, being named one of the 25 most influential businesswomen of the year, and then it takes you on a journey of my family's generational battle with addiction, Um, the story of my parents, and then me. Um, People tell me they laughed, they cried, they hollered. Um, you know, people have told me and called me an inspirational warrior, uh, a walking miracle. And so I'm just really excited about the reviews I've gotten from the book. People who've, you know, emailed me and said, because I read your book, I'm able to, you know, forgive my mom or forgive that person in my life who I'm struggling with. And, you know, I think it's just Mm -hmm. a testament to God's grace in my life. And, my belief that to whom much is given, much is required and giving back. And what I, what I realize now after touring the country right. is that we all have a story, but not everybody feels like um, they can let go mm-hmm. of the baggage and release it. So they hold on to the shame mm-hmm. and then it becomes a weight that, that prevents them from living a life of purpose So what I found is that by me sharing my story, I give people permission to share theirs. And you know what's funny? When I first started um, telling the story, Mm -hmm. I didn't think I was going to write a book. And I spoke at at a women's conference at my church, and it was about 200 women. And after I told my story, literally 50 women stood in line and waited up to an hour to speak to me. And the first woman said, Nobody knows this, but I've been contemplating suicide for the last couple of days. But after hearing you speak, I know that's not what God wants me to do. And it was story after story, you know, women saying, you know, I suffer from addiction, but I'm afraid to come out to the church. 
And so that was the impetus. That was God saying to me, you need to get this story written. And so I got an agent. We sent out the book proposal. They sent it out to 50 publishers. 20 came back with interest. And I got the deal like really quick. And so I knew that it was it was God's plan and purpose for the for the book to happen. And we're working on a movie right now. And so God willing, you'll see movie coming out and just very exciting about, you know, what God has done in my life. And, you know, people say to me, you know, God talks to you, but he doesn't talk to me. And I tell people he talks to all of us is whether or not we listen. That's excellent. So Dorinda, That's the difference. if you have any projects coming up that you're working on that you can share. I am. I'm working on a cause marketing campaign right now. In fact, I just bought the dot-com rights to it. <laughs> um, so I'm excited about it and okay. you'll hear more about it. I'm not going to tell you what it is yet. Um, I have a few clients um, with my business. So you'll start to see more work coming out from Cultural Solutions Group. I'm working on my next book, which will be a novel, um, and I'm excited about that. It's it's based on, yeah, it is, but it's loosely based on what I imagine one of the characters in my book, my great-grandmother, what I imagined her life to be. Um, So I'm excited about that. And it's just, you know, the sky's the limit. And I, you know, people are like, you're retired from you're corporate America. And I'm like, but I'm not really retired. Yes. I'm, just, I'm on my next, I'm you on know, my next chapter. Um, you know, I think that's cultural too. Our, our parents lived where you went, you had the job, retired, and then that was it. But even now, you know, my parents, you, you heard me looking after them going out the door here. Um, they look at what I'm doing and they say, what if, you know? They wonder what it would be like if they had lived their dreams, right? And they, they probably still can. They're still on this earth. They probably can. I need to have that conversation with them. Coach them through that. But we're living in this time, and I think thanks to the internet, which enables so much um, business to be done, um, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship to, to happen, um, the cost of starting business is much lower than it used to be thanks to the internet. We have these opportunities and so it's so important. And I talk to my clients about, you know, do you really want your epithet to say shoulda, coulda, woulda? You know, it's time. Why not, when you retire, start something totally different? Or not even wait until you retire to start your passion and build your brand. Yeah, when you look at Robert Kowalski's, um, he has this, this quadrant on how to build and acquire wealth. And, you know, you start out as an employee. So I look at my 20 years in corporate America as the investment in me, uh, which allows mm-hmm. me to, bec- be- to become an entrepreneur and move to ent- to small business owner because I definitely want to build capacity. But, but as you, you know, move to that small business ownership, it gives you freedom and flexibility to make more mm-hmm. choices around what drives your passion where you're still getting income. And my ultimate goal is to get to those yeah. seven different uh, levels of income, those income sources and streams so that I can truly live where I'm not dependent on, you know, working eight hours a day where yes, I can just ma'am. let my money yes, work ma'am. for me. So that's what I'm striving for. And I think that has to be, 
that has to be the model for all of us because, you know, the, to your point, the days of that traditional yes. nine to five are dwindling. You know, there's more, you know, freelance workers, gig workers. And so we have to be more flexible and think of those corporate opportunities as right, investment right. in building uh, you know, our next. I use my severance and my stock to start my business <laughs> this time around. So absolutely, you need to be thinking yeah. that way. Um, and then, you know, it's, I think it's important to, to just know research is showing these companies are going to keep workers, but more than three to five years. So are you just a sitting duck? Are you going to do something for yourself to make sure to have those other streams of income? I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. And then there's also, you have to think about ageism in the workplace. You know, people don't want to talk about it, but you know, I'm talk I'm hearing from a lot of people who feel like they're being yeah. pushed out if they're over the age of 45 for, you know, a younger generation. So, you know, but you know, 45, that's not the yes, 45, 50, Hello. that's the new 30, right? So we still have a long way to go and it's not the end. And, you know, hopefully, you know, you were smart and you saved and you invested so you can you can work on your next and just be thankful for right. whatever years right. you had in corporate America. Where can everybody find you online and follow you on social media? I am Dorinda Walker on all social media and DorindaWalker.com uh, is my awesome. website. I have a podcast also called Protected by Purpose. And um, that's where you can find me and keep up with what I'm doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure. And I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to meet you this summer. Me too. And hopefully we'll see each other again at the next lead event. Yeah, well, hopefully before then. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you where are you me. based? I'm based in Dallas. Okay. I will be in Dallas in September. Oh, there you go. Maybe we hook up coffee. Yeah. We'll make it Absolutely. Happen, okay. Okay. You take care. You too. What an inspiring conversation with Dorinda Walker. Thank you so much for coming on the show. So moved. Yeah, that's right. I just got back from Salt Lake City on yesterday, and what a great time at Plural Site Live at their Thrive at Live experience. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.